As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add the slangself.podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of the application. You're listening to the Slang Self Doubt Podcast, where we empower women of faith to identify, acknowledge, and accept their doubts and limits and beliefs in order to give birth to their God-given purpose. Join me and sometimes some of my friends on our journey as we remind you that you are not alone. I'm Felicia Wallace, and together we will find our fears and slay them. Welcome back to another episode of the Slant Self Doubt Podcast. I am here with Latanya White from Dynastic Wealth Builders. Hello, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me, Felicia. Oh, you are so welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. We are y'all. I listen. We talk about a lot of stuff on here, you know, um, we talk about like your insecurities and, you know, slaying yourself doubt and, you know, growing and, you know, entrepreneurship and marriage and parenthood and all of those things. But today we about to talk about generational black wealth. And when I tell you that if you are not excited about this conversation, we want to have you stripping because that's what we all want. Like we all want like this. It's a difference between having money and being wealthy like mm -hmm. that that is there's a and generational right and mm -hmm. the fact that that's I, I have said this before here that I feel like that our generation now like this like 80s 90s kids right here you know somewhere around there um we are our generational curse breakers like this is we're now like all the people that I know that are in my circle is like, okay, yeah, we've done enough up to the tradition. And now it's time to change all of that. Like we have to do better for our kids and our kids, kids. And I'm just, I'm so excited about this conversation. So, you know, I don't, I don't even want to take up all the time. Latonya, can you tell us about a little bit about yourself and how you got started? Yeah, for sure. So I am an entrepreneur and an entrepreneurship educator. I'm a certified business analyst and, and outside of being a mom to a six-year-old, I think one of my most important like identities is as a doctoral candidate studying the racial wealth gap. 
and entrepreneurial dynasties. So what got me to this point, you know, being in the quote in the chair with you was really um, from my own experience in the classroom. Mm. I was invited to be a guest speaker in an entrepreneurship class at the university where I teach like 11, maybe it had to have been 12 years ago because I'm going on teaching 11 years. And from the feedback that the students share with the professor, they asked me if I wanted to teach the class. I'm like, I don't know how to teach, no <laughs> but I'm going to do it. Like, right. I'm going to figure it out. And so I had been really active in building my business. So I was building and still own um, a bartending and hospitality services company. So okay. We'll provide bartending services, develop cocktail recipes, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And I was bringing all of that experience into the classroom. And because it wasn't from a textbook, I think the students just really appreciated me being able to share this like real life. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I'm two years in and, you know, figuring I'm building the parachute on the way down like we do as entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I felt the wall start to close. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes, because, you know, and this is what happens when you're good at a thing, you get more of that thing to do. You get more responsibility. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my teaching load got higher and I wasn't able to be of service to the community. Mm-hmm. Like I was really adamant even back then and I didn't have the words where I didn't know why but I always wanted to make sure that even if I was the only little brown spot in the room that I could go on behalf of other black entrepreneurs and bring whatever I was learning yeah. back yeah yeah so I wasn't able to do that as much and I was like this ain't working this ain't working for me. Um, I'm gonna have to figure this thing out. Uh, I, I texted my boss. I texted her because we we knew each other. Yeah. Right? Uh huh. And I and so this was in like December, and I said, "Well, June next June is gonna be like that's gonna be it for me. So I'm giving you like six months. <laughs> you get six months to find somebody else. <laughs> yes. And I started updating my resume. But I knew I wanted to stay in the entrepreneurship ecosystem. I wanted to become a better entrepreneurship educator. And I found this program, um, this accelerated program that was focused on these entrepreneurial principles that I had never heard of. Mm. And one of them is business model generation. So this is back in 2012. Um, and the program was in Bali and like this, how fed up I was, I was going way across. Wait a minute. Do you say Bali, <laughs> India? <laughs> Bali, Indonesia, Indonesia. You yes. just, you, so you just left the whole country. <laughs> like, yes. I was like, I, cause I'm in, I'm in Tallahassee. I'm in, in North Florida. So it's a capital city, really conservative, um, and at the time, like I had looked in programs, looked into programs that were being offered in like major metropolitan mm. cities. I'm like, that's still, I just still don't feel like that's what I need. Yeah. So I applied to this program um, being hosted 13,000 miles away from everybody I knew. And what I will say is between the time when I texted my, my boss, mm-hmm. like, here's my six months notice. 
And the 30 days when I was like, oh, well, do I need to officially put this on paper? So, Because I was just like, you got notice, right? Because I have been an entrepreneur. Like I never had to be in these political corporate Very structured. Like, do you need actual hey. notice or what is <laughs> enough? <laughs> yes. So I said, oh, should I backdate, you know, my resignation letter? <laughs> by this time it was 17 days out or something crazy I was like well maybe I just need to backdate it so they have 30 yeah. days right 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 okay and so she said well let's talk let's let's let help me understand help me figure out what do you feel like is missing and so I share with her that like teaching is different from serving right mm-hmm. especially if you have students that are, okay, this is on my curriculum. I need to just register yeah. for this class to check off the box. But here I am pouring, literally pouring out my heart and soul. Into yeah. it. And I feel like, you know, it's my serving to be an entrepreneurship educator and ultimately an advocate for black entrepreneurship. And you just here, cause this is the only class. Right, that right, right. <laughs> this, this, so this is your elective. You just happen. You don't even want to do this. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And so what we, she and I ended up talking about um, was she allowed me to, she released me from one class out of Mm. my um, contract, Mm. but I was able to substitute that um, by serving with the Small Business Development Center. So it got me back into connecting with like entrepreneurs who are really in it, right? And I said, well, so we figured that I was like, like, well, you know, in the meantime, I've been accepted to this program in Indonesia. <laughs> so, and so um, I was accepted to the program in June because the contract was ending in June, but I wasn't going to start until September. Okay. So I basically had the summer semester to get all the paperwork together. Oh certified to teach online, um, and also to go through my training with the Small Business Development Center. So I became certified as a business analyst through the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center Mm -hmm. Network. And I met my students. So when the fall semester started, I had literally like four days with my students before my flight to- to Indonesia. And I was like, well, we gonna, we gonna work this. We gonna work this on out. <laughs> like, let's talk, you know, right. let, yeah. let's learn a little bit about each other. So this was in 2013. I was doing my first online teaching. Um, fast forward to the pandemic, you know, we get to 2020 academic year and I, I ain't know that it Right. This is, oh, 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 I've done this before. I've done this before. <laughs> Right, right. So to to get to the to the point of how I got here, I had a conversation with one of my friends. She and I are still good friends. Um, when I was in Indonesia, because the program we were supposed to go in with an idea, a social entrepreneurship idea that we wanted to launch in thirty days, mm. and we got so everyone came with their own skill sets. They had their own ideas, and one of my friends was um, a web designer and she's native Indonesian. And the idea that she wanted to launch was to teach other Indian. This is in 2013. 
Mm. She wants to teach other Indonesian women how to understand e-commerce mm. so that they could build websites and create more wealth for their own families. Wow. And so she, you know, has this whole portfolio of design she's created. We get to day 26 and I said, well, are you ready? Are you ready to start? And she was like, I don't think I'm good enough. Ooh. And... I mean, we're eight years later and still telling that story gives me chills. Yeah. I mean, I got goosebumps when you said it like you. Oh, the oh, yes, because it took me to one of those that so raving moments, you know, when she's like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we're telling our age here now. (laughs) Exactly. Because I was like, but. I'm 13,000 miles away from everybody I know. Yeah. How can I be having this conversation with you that I've had with students? Yeah. That I've had with clients Mm -hmm. at the SBDC. And I said, how can we all have all this fear? Yeah. That's holding us back. And this is a whole separate sidebar, but what I came to understand about her ancestry native Indonesian now, the, her ancestors were the slaves Mm. of Indonesia. Her ancestors helped build the country and the economy of Indonesia. And I'm like, you're not about to be 13,000 miles away telling the story of my people. Right. And it just, it changed Mm. my whole understanding about ancestral narratives yeah and you earlier you spoke about like the generational curses but even more so the generational trauma yeah that we we carry with us and so that's really how how I got to this place and it was like how do I what can I do to help undo this yeah I help rewrite the story and rewrite the narrative man that is like literally as you were telling the story like I it, like when you said it that she said like I don't think I'm good enough like that it hurt my heart because I was like how many times have we said that to ourselves when we know like when you said it I'm like it's 2013 I'm like dang that's a that's a great idea and I'm like and 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 what popped off in 2020 all of these e-commerce businesses because we was in the pandemic and people didn't have nothing else to do you know what I mean but they realized oh you know I can work from home and I want my want my own and I don't want to have to go into work and do all these different things but she had the foresight to know that that's what she wanted in in 2013 like most people uh, you know most of us is thinking okay how much more time do I have to be able to get a promotion to go to the next level in my career not building something so that my family like usually those, those things just did not come up so for me like it that put a little fire underneath me as well. Like, dang, you can't get that close. Like you 27, 26 days, and then 30 right. days you're supposed to do this. You got four more days and you about to stop. And you did the you've done the work. You have all the things that you need. You you created all the stuff and you're gonna let doubt and fear just like paralyze you to the point that you just don't go forward um so yeah that was whoo that was that was a message for me so as you're like this whole process of teaching and and you know going from you know speaking then to teaching then to you know the small businesses and then going all the way to Indonesia like all of those things how has self-doubt showed up in your journey 
when I first started posting on social media for the podcast, oh my goodness, it was a disaster. I did not know what I was doing. I was guessing at everything. Then things shifted for me when I got introduced to three platforms that changed the game for me. I started using Canva for my graphics, Caption Writer for my captions, and Wave for the audiograms. Seriously, if you go back to the beginning of the Slaying Self Dial Instagram page, you will see the transformation. If you are in the process of branding or rebranding yourself, I recommend you try out these platforms. Canva has hundreds of templates that you can choose from to design any type of post you desire. Caption Writer allows you to create and save your captions with the perfect line breaks and even lets you add different fonts. Wave helps you create snippets of your content to share with your followers. They have closed captions and those cool little wavy lines. If you're interested in trying them out, click the links in the show notes to start using them today. Now, back to the show. So interestingly enough, um, I, I started my PhD program, my doctoral program in 2017. Okay. So it was, you know, four full years mm-hmm. after having come back and being in these entrepreneurial ecosystems and still so often being the only person of color in these spaces, wondering why am I the only one here? So I'm four years into this before I said, let me figure out, like, let me get the structure. Let me understand the science of how I can create change around this thing. And the first year of my program, so I'm in the dissertation writing phase now, um, excited because I can see the light. Yeah, you, you listen, you almost there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the first year of the program, we did this exercise, it's called an identity map. And it was, I mean... I'm, you know, well into my my late 30s when I'm doing this this program. And I, I realized that I had been I was in the middle of an identity crisis Mm-mm. and I didn't even know, like I didn't know the reason that I was having all this stress and strain in my professional relationships and in my personal relationships was because I had been lying to myself about who I was Ooh. Um I would say that, you know, it's okay to have these these surface level interactions and surface level um, relationships with people knowing full well that deep down, Mm. I wanted something more meaningful. Yeah. But I always felt like I wasn't worthy enough to say that. Like, Mm. who do you think you are to say you want more? Yeah. From a relationship or from a, a, from an opportunity or from your job, you who do you think you are? And so when we did this identity map exercise, all of that like came crumbling down mm. because I realized I could no longer not stand up for myself mm. if I wanted to live this full life. Yeah. And by that time, my daughter was born. She was maybe, she was going on two, one and a half, two years old. And I was like, I cannot continue to live this lie yeah. while she's watching me. She may not understand or she can't tell me she yeah. understands, but she may not be able to communicate with me that she understands. But I was living a lie because I didn't think I was worthy enough to mm. say I deserve more and I don't want whatever you're trying to give me because you don't want more. Yeah. Um, oh, so that, man. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I'm just going to pause right there because worthiness, right? Like when we think about that, it's almost like, um, cause I've been there, right? Like I'm not feeling like you're worthy of a, a, of a, like, like you say, of a relationship of more of the position that you have of the opportunity that has been given to you. And almost like, well, this is, I got this much, right? I should just hold on to this. There's no, I shouldn't even ask for it. And it's like, where do you get that from? Right. Where do we, wh- why is it that we feel like, you know, um, that we shouldn't ask for more or want more or think bigger. You know, you think about like, um, I've had this conversation before that like when kids are small, like my kids are, well, my youngest, he's 11, but you even know what your six year old, right? Like, um, they're like the biggest dreamers. Right. Yeah. And they like it. Some of it is just like, what? <laughs> like, how do you even envision or imagine that? Right. But at some point in time in our lives, we I don't know exactly what it was, but mm-hmm. something told us, yeah, you need to, you're not, that's not even about to happen. So I'm going to need you to stop dreaming for mm-hmm. something greater than, than yourself. And, you know, I think for all of us, like even now, just like thinking about it, like, I'm like, I, you know, it wasn't my parents. It wasn't, it was my parents, you know, I'm like, my parents weren't like that. And they, you know, they, they did you know, pretty much what they wanted to do as far as like, I want more, right? And so they wanted more. So, but I was like, at some point in time, I got the, what I was being shown versus what clearly somebody told me, that no, you're good right here. And I think about the school I went to from middle school to high school, they is predominantly white, you know, it was, I like, I remember eight, eight, eight people of color in my graduating class, eight. Now it was a very small school, right? But still, Right. Eight of us. Right. You know, Um, and I think about like who they catered to, who they kind of pushed, who they it was almost like, okay, well, you're here and you're doing fine. Just just be okay, Be okay with being right here. Right. Mm -hmm. And And when you think about it as a kid, you like. Okay, like you telling me I don't have to try no more, right? I'm good where I'm at. You don't have to try anything extra. This is this is fine. And then you take that into work and you like, well, I'm doing my job. I'm doing like, no, you can do more. And it isn't until like, like when you think about when people like once you once you hit like that, when you get to like, for those of y'all who ain't there yet, but when you like, like, 40 and up because I can I can say it now I'm saying the 38 when you get about 38 and you start uh-huh. to move up into that next phase you start to realize I'm capable of so much more than what someone said I wasn't right and so it's it's that thing like somebody no now some people have had the experience with somebody told them no you you're not mm-hmm. worth that you know but in other cases it is people just telling you now nah, stay right there don't, exactly. don't you go don't you go any further and sometimes it's because they are intimidated by your potential that you're gonna outshine somebody else that they tell you no you good right here you don't even have to do no more no it's it's okay like just stay right there you know and it's like and then and, and we take it right like oh okay you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess I guess so but Oh man, yeah, that just made like when you were saying that, I was just like, dang, why? And even when you said earlier about generational trauma, right? When you go back into our ancestry, like mm-hmm. we were limited, right? Mm-hmm. After being, you know, all the other stuff, the major trauma, like when you, even when we tried, yep. it would take it away. When you started to go, you like 
it we may not have experienced it but it's in us right and so that's why when we get to a certain part we be like you know what no i'ma just this right this is good right here i'm comfortable I'm mm-hmm. comfortable. I ain't ruffling no feathers. I ain't doing nothing extra. I'm good. I done made my money. I got my house. I got my car. I don't need nothing else. Right. Right. No. No. We, we can't. We, oh, man. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so just to extend that further, what you just said. So I finished reading this book called The Big Leap, L-E-A-P. I love that book. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know that's exactly because I felt and this was like last week I started feeling this anxiety mm. like something some you know an opportunity was opening up and I was like nope nope yeah. um, nope <laughs> <laughs> nope and no. I, I had to remind myself that I was putting the limit yes on yes. <laughs> yeah, and 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 for those of y'all who haven't read the book, there is something called the upper limit problem, right? Where you get to a point where he said that that's where most people are comfortable in their upper limit, and when you reach your upper limit problem is when you start to self sabotage and you start to bring yourself down because you don't feel like you're worthy. But that doesn't get you to your zone of genius, right? Like you stay in the zone of competency and the zone of excellence because you're limited yourself it's like oh I can't have this and the way he broke it down y'all I'm, I'm, I'm put the link to the book in the show notes but the way he broke it down of how it shows up how it comes how you how you you don't realize that it's happening and what you're doing some of it is just innate in us right like when he talked about being a warrior I've said plenty of times on here like I don't know where I got it from but I'm a, I'm a <laughs> warrior right and it's like no you can you can change that I don't have to be that way right like that's not what I have to be. But if I, I continue to say that to myself, then guess what? I'm gonna just worry about everything, you know? And one of the other things that you said was like changing how we show up for our kids, right? Yeah. If we're talking about building generational wealth or just anything generational, like breaking curses, breaking, mm-hmm. you know, generational choices, because some stuff mm-hmm. ain't a curse, some stuff is a choice. It starts at some point. And the only way you can do it is so that you show the next generation something different. And even with like, uh, for me, I'm very big on, um, because I have boys, like Mm -hmm. teaching them that having, you know, to be in tune with their emotions, right? Like, do not shut that out. Do not, if you got to cry, you know, I don't care. I don't mind you crying. Like, it's not like a don't, don't do that. I need to know why I need you to be able to tell me why you're crying. If it's because of a video game. Right. I need to understand why there's so much of an emotional attachment to it. Like maybe you need a break, like, you know, but if your feelings are hurt or you're sad or you're frustrated, like I need you to be able to express that in a way that I can understand so that you can understand. Right. Because what what happens is is that especially for black men you go out into this world ain't don't nobody care about your feelings they don't right. care about that and if you cannot verbally say what is going on off, off the break you already a threat and then don't let you look like you upset then you know then it's like I'm frustrated because I didn't get this job or I'm you know whatever the situation is but really trying to change those things now 
that's that's a part of the work that we have to do is to be able to it's it's our whole selves, right? Our whole whole all of our whole selves. So, man, yeah, that whole worthiness and whoo, I'm I'm pretty sure somebody listening it was just like I, they felt yeah. that in their spirit. <laughs> they felt that in their spirit. So when you when you had to do that project and you were really searching for your identity and realizing you were in that space what did you do to kind of like get through all of that so there was work to be done right so one of the things that we don't often talk about is the inner work mm-hmm. you know we are here hustling mm-hmm. we rise and grind we doing all of the things on the outside and we're celebrating all of that work that we're doing on the outside but it's the inner work mm-hmm. it's the work that you have to do when it's just you and God yeah and when the lights are off and when you don't have the words because you're so frustrated you're so sad you're so you're feeling everything all at once that all you can do is cry. Yeah. yeah. So there was like this purging that I had to do. And I worked with a detox coach. And when I'm, when I tell you, she had me detoxing food, people and thoughts all at the same time, (laughs) but it was the like, and I can feel, yeah, I released weight and lost a little bit of weight, but I felt Mm -hmm. like, spiritually and emotionally, I felt less weighed down. Yeah. Um, like, and I'm happy to say, and I see a therapist. Like, yeah, I listen. just saw her last, earlier this week. Okay? Listen, I, but listen, every, every week. Okay. We don't, we, I don't, you know, and the thing about it is, so this is a disclaimer. People tend to think that you only need therapy if there's something wrong no it's like you go I and, and I've spent 15 years in healthcare. you go to the a physical every year to make sure you good right mm-hmm. you go to the eye doctor every year like they I, it needs to to me personally mental health needs to be as as important as getting your going to get to the dentist at two twice a year getting your eyes checked once a year it like it needs to be an annual thing and just to get to that because that's a part of you like if your mental is messed up all everything else will fall apart as well so whoever is wondering whether or not they need to just reach out yes go ahead and get yourself a therapist it's it's nothing wrong with it it's just a third party that person doesn't know you they're not judging you they don't care about who you were when you was 15 they don't care about what you just did Mm -hmm. they just want you to be your whole self your Mm -hmm. whole authentic self so you do do your work y'all do your work go ahead Latonya. (laughs) you know that's absolutely it like this last thing you just said do your work do the work yeah. for you and it also takes this this mindfulness mm. and this intentionality right so like you're saying how you talk with your sons about how are you feeling and why that's conversations that I have to have with myself yeah um, there is this concept called compassionate self-talk mm-hmm. and I I don't even remember what was going on I think um I was at the beginning on the tail end of the whole identity crisis is when I realized that my daughter's father and I, we were just holding on, but we weren't, we weren't getting help in a healthier place in our relationship. So we decided to just co-parent and I was, I just could not really 
process. Like I, I blame myself mm, so much. Mm, mm. And one of my friends in my program, she introduced me to, to the concept of compassionate self-talk. She said, now, if this situation were happening to a friend of yours, would you allow them to talk to themselves that way? Would you talk to them that way? And so she informed me, she enlightened me about this idea that I have to talk to myself yeah. the way I would talk to my closest friend or the way I expect my closest friend to talk me through yeah. a situation where I feel like I'm blaming myself or I feel at fault. And this was, this was around the time of that identity crisis and that skill Mm. of compassionate self-talk has helped me ever since wow when I feel like my vibrate because I'm big on energy right Mm -hmm. when I feel my my vibrations lowering I'm sitting here and I'll say okay what's going let's stop what you're doing yeah yeah let's let's talk like what's Mm -hmm. going on why are you feeling the same way I would talk to to my daughter yeah yes and almost immediately when I can be honest with myself about, I don't like that I made this decision without really thinking through the concept. Mm. Okay, that's okay. It's a learning process, right? What can we do next time? How can we see the trigger point the next time? Yeah. So the conversation I'm having with myself and within 20, 30 minutes, I'm back feeling good. And when I feel good about who I am, I can serve better. Yeah, no, that is so true. Um, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember someone, I don't, I think I was on a live or something. Somebody asked me like, when you're in the midst of like your, like, it's the same thing. Like when you're doubting yourself and you're in the midst of this self-doubt, you know, rabbit hole and the stuff mm-hmm. we kind of put ourselves in. Um, one of the things that, you know, I've said is that I, I do have anxiety, but I learned from a coach that my anxiety shows up physically. Right. And so it is I get all the same feelings if I'm anxious or I'm excited. It, it literally feels the same way. I'm like sweaty palms. I'm everything in my heart palpitates. I feel my stomach hurts. Every all, all the feelings are the same. She had asked me, what is the difference between you being excited and being anxious? And I was like, I don't know. She's like, I need you to figure that out. So I came back and I was like, okay, I've I've realized that when I'm anxious, I feel like I want to cry. But when I'm excited about something, I want to laugh, like, because I want to smile. And so she taught me to, when when you start to feel that way, ask yourself, Felicia, do you want to cry or do you want to smile? Which one do you want to do? And then she's like, you have to teach your body because if it shows up the same way, yeah, there's nothing you you just you, automatically I revert to the worrying, right? Yep. Because I said I'm a natural worrier. Then I just, then that just takes you down a whole nother path, right? right? But if I can say, you know what? No, I'm excited about this podcast I'm about to do. I'm excited about this, you know, live I'm about this opportunity, right? Then I'm able to say, okay, so what makes it exciting about it? Oh, you know, I'm I'm able to talk to somebody else about this, or I'm able to give this a different opportunity to put slant self doubt out there, like I'm doing something new, you know. If I'm worrying, right, then it's like, what are you afraid of? Ain't nobody going to listen. Does it matter if anybody listens? I mean, well, not really. But just like you said, like talking mm-hmm. through the, those are skills that you just have to learn along the way, because ultimately, especially when we're doing, you know, purposeful work, like you're going to have these moments where you're going to get hit against something and it's going to be like, uh, hey, you, am I still supposed to be doing this? Right. <laughs> 
And you're going to have to talk yourself off that ledge of like, no, this is what you're called to do. This is what you're supposed to be doing. So, yes, we, we got to do this. OK, come on, let's go. And what do you need to do to get, get to go through it? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I love that compassionate self-compassion um, because we are hard on ourselves. Right. We we tear ourselves down more. Than, and sometimes people think when they say it, they think to themselves, I don't really do that. But I'm like. But don't you don't you say, oh, excuse my eyebrows, excuse my edges, excuse. Don't don't look at my uh my whatever. I don't have no makeup on. Don't look at right. my blah. Or like I'm, I've realized that people even do it like you. Well, ain't nobody been in. Most people haven't been in other people's houses. Right. But my mm-hmm. mother used to do this. Right. She would be like, excuse my house. And I'd be like, what's wrong with it? <laughs> have you seen other people's houses? Like this joint is spotless. <laughs> But it's right. like we go into stuff apologizing for mm-hmm. what? Why? Because we want, like you said, the image uh, to, of other people. But you, mm-hmm. what do you do for yourself when you walk? When you looking like, oh, let me let me make sure I no, just be you. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the only person who's paying attention is yourself. So that's a listen. That's a it's a whole nother episode. So, <laughs> what have you learned about yourself during this journey that you didn't know before? Y'all know the story. This podcast was an assignment from God that had my self-doubt and limiting beliefs telling me that nobody would listen. But you, yes, you kept showing up every week to listen to this podcast. And because you keep showing up, so do I. If you enjoy this podcast and would love to support me and future episodes, please consider making a donation by simply purchasing me a coffee. If you would like to donate, click the buy me a coffee link. Now back to the show. I would, I would think um, some of the things that I didn't know about myself uh, that I, well, that I've learned about myself that I didn't know before was that I have a servant. I am supposed to have a servant's heart. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I would, I would cry all the time. Um, I would get teased like, oh, it's, you know, like in my family, I would get teased because I was always the sense like to this day, I'm in a group, you know, in a text group with my cousin, they'll be like, here she go with this. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, some, th- somebody has to think about yeah. someone else's feelings. Yeah. And if that is who I am, then I accept that about myself. Mm. And the reason I I know that I've accepted that is because of my daughter. Mm. Because when she goes out into the world, I need her to know that if nobody caring about how you feel, you come back to this space. You come back to mommy and mommy is going to care about how you feel. And so I had to own that. And I also see that when I'm engaging with my students, because students today... They are, they are, they are pulled in so many more directions and not just social media, right? It's they're working more than we probably had to work when Mm -hmm. we're in school. I mean, they're doing online learning on the collegiate level. So they have so many more demands on them. But I find when I'm emailing my student, I say, this doesn't seem like you, you know, I remember when you were in my class last year, last semester, and you, you, your performance this semester doesn't seem to be matching with the potential that you've shown me. And I can't tell you how many students will say, Ms. White, it means so much that you would even say something to me about that. So 
I, what I understand is that I'm supposed to be yeah. the person that's sensitive and in tune and yeah. intuitive about how other people are feeling because sometimes I'm the only person in their circle that is doing that for them. Yeah. And it, um, what I, I, when you were telling that, what came up for me was you see them. Right. Yeah. And so many times we feel unseen. Right. And we feel like it, we have to suffer in silence, whatever it is. And the moment someone says, how are you? It is your responsibility to tell the truth. That's the yeah. other part. Right. Like um, earlier this week, I was having this moment of self-doubt came up and imposter syndrome. And I was like, oh, well, I'm supposed to be doing mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Just forget it. I'm a just. Ah, this is just not working and this group that my that I'm in one of the co-founders I guess it, you know this is the first kind of group that I've been in with like the co-founder like actually called you like a actual phone conversation so I'm like hello and I answered the phone and she's like hey you know I'm just checking in and welcome you to the group this and the third making sure that you're you know mm-hmm. understanding what's supposed to happen if you have any questions it's seeing how you're doing right mm-hmm. I had the option to be like Oh, I'm good. Thanks. You know, I appreciate it. You know, thanks for checking in, blah, blah, blah. And I could have, that could have been the end of it. Right. Instead, I was like, you know what? It's, I listen, I'm very clear. God's intentional about certain things when it happens because I was spiraling earlier that day and you Mm -hmm. called on the same day. Right. Like that's not a coincidence. Right. And I'm just like, okay, this is my moment because I now have her ear. So now let me just tell her. And she talked me through it. And it wasn't a rushy, you know, some places you go, oh, okay. Well, yeah, if you have any questions, just eat, you know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like that. She literally talked me through it. And so it was just like, okay, like this. and, And what it made me feel like is that as you're growing your business, you need somebody like that on your team. You need somebody like that's going to see people because you never know what people are going through. Because part of me was like, yeah, I'm going to just quit this. You know, like, you know what I mean? Because the, when, your upper limit problem, right? When you start to get stretched and you like, God, this is making me think too much. Just forget it. <laughs> like, I'm just keep doing what I'm doing. But it was like, no, God was like, I'm about to send her right here so she can ask you so that you can tell her the truth. And then it was like, boom okay I'm ready let's go like now it's like no this is what your purpose to do but you being able to see those students you're right the stuff that they have to deal with um we know 2020 was a mess for us all right um and for kids who are still like even you know college students are still in a learning phase they just became adults like when I hear people say like, oh, at 18, that's it. I'm like, they're still children. What are you yeah, talking about? <laughs> they don't even, they, they haven't even paid a bill. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like on time, nonetheless, right? They haven't had a job to be able to really, so that no, they're still kids, right? So for you to see them, I can guarantee you that that, that changes, changes people. Like it changes them. And for somebody who is used to playing the background and used mm-hmm. to being like, you know what, I'm going to just stay over to the side right here, not mm-hmm. ruffle no feathers, right? It feels good to be seen when people just, you know, it's just out the kindness of their heart. They want to know how you're doing. So keep doing that because those kids, that that is something that, you know, that's something that they need. That It absolutely is something that they need. So let's talk about all things dynastic wealth building. Like, okay. <laughs> so 
when we when we're talking about this when you're building the strategies for and you're very specific first generation black wealth creators okay yes, okay <laughs> when you are doing this what does that look like like when you are what does that look like that that's just the question <laughs> so it's me right i I went into my doctoral program, really wanted to, to figure out how can I serve more black women yeah. entrepreneurs. And then as I'm doing more and more research, I was like, hold up, <laughs> where the black people, <laughs> not just the black women, where are my people? Yes. And so that really switched. Um, it, it, it widened the, the people that I knew I needed to serve. Mm. But then as I'm doing more and more research and learning about the financial strategies that families like the Rockefellers and the Fords and the Waltons, right? Mm -hmm. These are strategies. Um, there was one book where, and the title of the book is called Dynasties. And it's looking at all these different dynastic families in different entrepreneurial industries. Mm. And when he was, the author was writing a section on the automo the automobile industry. And I put this quote in my dissertation proposal, like three times, my committee was like, we've read this quote. <laughs> <laughs> what I was trying to say is no, like, I need you to understand. So the quote says that the, the, Founders of those businesses saw themselves mm. as the founders of dynasties. And so what happened there was like, we have to see ourselves yeah. as doing this thing that's going to impact lives, the lives of people that we may never meet. Yeah. And I knew that was who I was. Like I have this whiteboard in my office and I was trying to teach Sparrow, my daughter's name is Sparrow. I was trying to teach her about this concept of generation. She was like, I don't understand. I said, so grandma is a generation. Mommy is a generation and you are a generation. So we, I put this little diagram on the board and as she and I were talking, she, so she started to say, and so my children are going to be a, a generation and then their children are, I was like, yes. Yeah. And so that helped me realize that I would be the first to really start to create wealth as a first generation, generation. Wealth yeah. creator, but that I needed to do it for just be for beyond just her. Yeah. Yeah. Like I needed to make sure that there was something in place for her children and their children. Yes. And so that's really how I got to the place like I was reading this book and I was like, but my story's not in here. Like no one that I think I can relate to is in all of this research about yeah. entrepreneurial dynasties. And so that's when it changed. That's when it was like, okay, there's something that needs to be done for people like me. So it was mm. self-serving mm. in a way because I needed to figure out how to do it for Sparrow and for, you know, my grandchildren and their grandchildren. Yeah. But I also recognized that there were so many people like me and like her and like our future grandchildren that would need the material and the resources just as, as, as much. Yeah, no. And, 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 
when you think about dynasties, right? Like just that word, like, yes, you, you, I mean, we know, right. We know exactly what that is, but when you say it, it goes back to the worthiness, right? It goes back to whether or not you feel worthy of being able to have that and whether or not you say no, but this is enough. Right. Um, we, when we think about our generation, um, and I always say this, like, um, you know, when we think about, money because it's not wealth right but Mm -hmm. in the black families right now like for a period of time you know having a single family home was the definition of you made it right and so why and you think to yourself why is that you know a tangible thing that I mean you can't do nothing with it unless you pass it on and you know and if you don't pass it on then it's just it was just somewhere you lived, right? You know, and that's it. Um, and I find myself in like with um my generation, like when like at this point when I find fam, you know, pe- friends or whatever who are like 40 and up and they like, you know, mm-hmm. all I need to do is just get this sick, you know, mm-hmm. this single family home, then you'd be like, Yeah, but that's a 30-year mortgage, and that's like you don't want to do nothing else, you know right. what I mean? Like, is it anything bigger than that? But but the his it's the limitations we put on ourselves that we can't see past. Well, my mother lived in an apartment. And so because my mother lived in an apartment and I never lived in a house, I got to live in a house. And then, you know, we only had this type of car. So, But it's all these things that are like superficial. Really, it is. Because most of those things you can't pass down, right? And we haven't learned the concept of generational wealth. And it, And on top of that, if I'm being honest, sometimes it seems so overwhelming that it doesn't seem attainable. And so we just stop. Right. And so the question is, how do we, you know, I know your website says become fearless today, right? Like how do we, like when you're talking about, cause I know here says that you're, you know, planning out, like, what does that look like? Are you helping people from like, like, what does that look like? Like, what does the plan look like? (laughs) So, so first thing is you're absolutely right. And, and dynastic wealth by definition. So by what I've learned from the research as a first generation black wealth creator, our families won't get to dynastic status until our grandchildren, Mm. not just that we have grandchildren that are born, not just that they've turned 18 or 25, but that our grandchildren have the psychosocial maturity Mm. and the understanding to control the wealth or to control the business that we've built. So it's not just going to be that, oh, okay, I'm a grandma. No, there is still work that needs to be done. And so in this time and space between that, there's things that we need to do today. Yeah. There there are actions that need to be taken. There are steps that need to be taken today and this week and tomorrow and this year. And so to your question about what that is, I've actually taken um, the, so the process of becoming fearless is this business development process. Mm -hmm. It starts with the foundation. You know, this is your identity and how your identity translates into your brand identity. So yeah. we unpack all of that. And it's like, who are you at your core? And then how do we build a brand around a an authentic aspect of your identity? Mm. And so we just unpack the steps from there. We start with your foundation. Then we get into evaluation and what the 
the brand identity looks like, is that authentic, right? Mm -hmm. Or serving the people that you want to serve because we've built out a mission statement that articulates some of these things. So we're taking it literally step by step. Mm -hmm. And I took one of those things from my um, students and there's a checklist, right? (laughs) Check, did we check it off to the next step? And so that's the process of dynastic wealth building but with the understanding that we have to ensure that we have a business that is profitable mm-hmm. because there are actually five forms of wealth that dynastic families work to cultivate. And the baseline form of wealth is financial wealth, which should be coming from a profitable business. Yeah. Yeah. I, so the part that got me right was that not only do you have to have the grandchildren but the the grandchildren have to have the mindset which means in order for them to have the mindset we have to have it then to have to have passed it down to our kids for them to have passed it down to their kids right and and we we just just a few minutes ago we talked about (laughs) your mental health right and so when you think about your mindset like I, like that it didn't that didn't even dawn on me like that was a part of it right that it did that it had to do with that I you know most people are probably thinking I'm just gonna create this business and I'm just gonna have enough money so yeah. that my my but no wealth is a mindset because how many families dynasties have been destroyed because the grandkids spent all the money because they, did, they didn't have a wealth mindset. They weren't thinking about their kids' future, right? Um, and so, yeah, that is, that is, yeah, the, yeah like that is a, <laughs> that mindset is something that is like in really trying to f- break in all of those generations. Like it's so, I'm so intrigued. Like I really, <laughs> I'm so intrigued right now. Cause now I'm just like, okay, what what is it that we need to do? What, how do we start this? Like, so in a practical sense for those people who are just very practical, if you haven't, if you do, if you're not an entrepreneur, but you're yeah. like, no, you know, I really, I haven't decided that though I don't know what that thing is going to be, right? What are some practical steps that, um, actually two questions. The first question is, you said that there's five ways to wealth. What are the five? And then what are some practical steps for those of us who want to build wealth, but maybe don't have, a, you know, don't currently have a profitable business? What can you be doing? If And if you don't, if you don't have a business, like what, how can you build generational wealth like what is the practical you know one or two things yeah right right so great questions because the first question what are those other forms of wealth or what are those five forms of wealth actually can't answer okay question so the five forms of wealth foundationally and just for perspective wealthy families and especially um dynastic wealth Mm -hmm. and remember this is that wealth that's made it through three generations, generations. the next generation, they have um, generational curses that they work to folk. They work to break as well. Mm -hmm. And one of those curses is just like you said, with the grandchildren. So it says shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. And what they mean by that is if as a first generation wealth creator, you know, I'm in shirt sleeves and I'm working hard, having to roll up my shirt. Yeah. 
my hands dirty to build this wealth. And I don't ensure that my child understands how the wealth was created, how to control it and how to make more. Then by the time my grandchildren roll around, we're going to be back rolling up our shirts. Yeah. Uh. So that is one thing that wealthy families work on and how they try to um, break that curse or Mm -hmm. avoid it entirely is through these five forms of capital. So that first form is financial wealth, financial capital. And so these concepts come from a book titled Complete Family Wealth. Okay. And this is where I was first introduced to the these five forms of capital. So we have foundationally the financial wealth, but the next part or the next form of wealth is um, referred to as spiritual wealth. Mm. And so it doesn't have anything to do with religion per se, but it is the idea that as a family, we're having a conversation about what do we want this money to be for? Mm. Now, we know in Black families, it's two things that we don't talk about a whole lot. <laughs> money yes. and death. Yeah. Right? So what, and this is where that healing has to come into play Mm. because I can't have a conversation with my estranged uncle if I haven't forgiven him or my auntie or whomever for what I felt like was them teasing me Mm -hmm. or or whatever the situation was yeah but we have to have a conversation about why, why are we doing all this to begin? Why are we working so hard? Why are we up rise and grind? Why are we up at five in the morning if there isn't some longer term benefit that our, it's our goal to create? Yeah. And so having this conversation about what will the wealth or what will the money be for helps us understand why we're doing it to begin with. Yeah. And so from there, we get into this this human capital. And so that's where maybe I'm not the entrepreneur in the family and maybe I don't want to be, but I have this whole accounting degree that can put me in a position to be of service to the family, to help us monitor Mm. the money that is coming in, right? So maybe I'm the one that shares resources on budgeting. Maybe I'm the one that looks into creating a family bank account where we all put in a hundred dollars a month or so. Yeah. If you got a big enough family, you might end up with $2,500 every month Yeah, that is building wealth for the family. Yeah. So not everyone has to be the entrepreneur, mm. but there does have to be some consensus yeah. about our commitment to future generations of this family. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. So um and so that's human capital, but human capital in its in its purest form is taking stock of what are you good at, mm-hmm. right? What do you love to do? And how can we use what you're good at or what you love to do, your own zone of genius? Right, right, right. <laughs> how can we use that to help this family either create wealth mm-hmm. or control it? Mm. So, like I have a cousin that's in LA, he's an accountant, but and so he can help us control the wealth. But my cousin that I can find on the corner at 9:30 in the morning down in Miami, yeah. he can help us create well legally. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's a great cook. 
he's also great with his hands. So maybe what we can do is as a family, if we're putting this money aside and we've taken stock of who has what skills, who has what passion within our family, as we get into this next form of wealth, which is intellectual wealth or mm-hmm. intellectual capital, we make the decision to invest mm-hmm. in intellectual wealth. And so we might say, all right, cousin, let's sign you up to get your general contractor's license. And so now you get to develop mastery. Yeah, you're good at it, but let's make you, let's get you to the expert level. We're as a family going to invest in this passion and this skill that you have and develop your intellectual understanding Mm. of this thing to help us create more financial capital. Yeah. Because now we understand what the wealth is going to be for, because we've talked about spiritual wealth in our family. Yeah. And so they all kind of loop back on each other. Yeah. Um, so we got financial wealth, spiritual wealth, human wealth, intellectual, intellectual, and that last one is social. Okay. Social capital. And from from an academic perspective, from a research perspective, it's been shown that business families that have higher levels of social capital. So these are our relationships mm. with key decision makers, right? Those business families are more profitable mm. than families that don't have the same high level social capital. So what does that mean for us as first generation wealth creators, first generation black wealth creators? It means that we have to be intentional about who we build relationships. Yeah. With. It means we have to get in spaces with other black and brown creators and build relationships that are outside of our comfort zone. Yeah, come on. We have to grow and be uncomfortable now so that because we already know what the wealth is going to be for generations from now, that they don't get into spaces where they are uncomfortable, where they aren't familiar. So we've made the sacrifice. We've taken on that burden to build social capital so that our kids can benefit from not just our money, but from the intellect and from Mm. the skills that we've developed. Man. That that was good. Like I, y'all, I um, I, I literally wrote all of those down, right? And I'm gonna go back and listen because there's so many things that where so many things that you say that I was like, I can envision certain people, yes. right? And I was like, oh, I never even thought about that. But before you even do that, the healing has to happen, right? Yes. Because there's so much division in some of in, in some of these families and you know the healing it leads to trust because the other mm-hmm. part is that if we're talking ultimately all of it does boil down to green right mm-hmm. like it's going to be green money that can be but you have to trust the people that you're mm-hmm. doing this with and they have to trust you and mm-hmm. so then that means that you have to do the work to heal these these families and you know um being mindful and, and honestly being mindful of who you 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 within your families right who you decide to do this with do this with wow. and so the other part one of the things I actually thought you were going to say and I don't know where it falls in but I've heard a lot of people have talked about and it may fall into the um either the human capital or the intellectual capital of like Mm -hmm. investing in like um 
uh oh my gosh what is the word uh like real estate i couldn't think mm-hmm. of yeah, mm-hmm. you know like people like oh we should invest into a building and we should you know go in and we all you know fix it up and yep. do all these things. and a lot of times the first thing people say is they be like well is everybody gonna be be able to put in the same amount is everybody and what you're saying is before you even do all of that yes <laughs> we need to have a conversation a real conversation honestly because the other part is it all sounds good until you like so who paying the mortgage right <laughs> this who paying right. the, you know like so who gonna do this who gonna do that and you have to know going back to knowing what your strengths are and what it is that you're good at but it still starts from the conversation so um yeah this was the, I I am it's making me think right because it's like what are the things that we could do because a lot of times we do a lot of things separately right wow. but we were we 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 do better if we all chip in and we all do something even as, as simple as you saying it like how about we all just put a hundred dollars in an account every week like could you imagine you know what I mean like and then we agree that nobody can touch it or whoever the person is that is trustworthy or mm-hmm. that has the skill to be able to uh what the word you use was not control but uh did you say control no no, not control, but to um like monitor. Monitor, and, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, who has the 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 full like the the capacity to mm-hmm. monitor it and make sure that it's you like everybody know they got a person and they find right. it. It's like you ain't that mama you're not fooling with okay right because <laughs> it ain't money you're not and so that's the one that they in charge of the bank account right but something as simple as that is just mm-hmm. like let's just save it right yeah. some of it is just save it and then you know even if it even if it's not your entire family even in your immediate mm-hmm. family right some of us don't even have savings accounts yes. or to be able to have like you have we have to start somewhere we yeah. got we got to start somewhere but this was thank you so much this was a great conversation like I I really like my my husband is a money guy and so I'm just I'm so pressed to go tell him like look what I learned today okay <laughs> <laughs> so listen complete family wealth um by James Hughes is like two other authors that's the book because that book even talks about how to build your family executive committee so that it's not one person that's over the account. There's like a, you're building a family business, right? Family bank. So you have a board and you have the matriarchs and the patriarchs of the family that help to drive the conversations and have the decisions. But it also means that your kids, like your 11 year old is in the meeting. Yeah. Come on. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So that they know. Yeah. And that's where the mindset. Yeah. Girl, you got me over here. Like I'm about to order this book right now. Tell him, listen, I'm building this. You work on that. Okay. (laughs) Yes. We can build our own dynasty over here. All right. Like this is, oh man, that would be. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest things that I have to remind myself is what, what it is that you said, it's not just about the money. It's the mindset. It is the mindset and breaking, breaking those walls and those barriers and those limits of this is all we can have that we can't have anymore. Like all of that has to, has to come into play so that we can be very, very, very clear. And even on the other side, let me just say, it's not just the limits in, but it's mm-hmm. also some people have a, a, um, a money hoarding 
right. <laughs> disposition, right? Because of security and because of, you know, they, 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 they don't want to, they want to make sure that they have it all, that they don't even do nothing with it, right? It's just kind of sitting there. Um, but there's a difference between doing that and building wealth, because again, like you said, like you're, you're growing it and you're actively part, like, how can we do more? What else can we do to get to have it to grow? So, oh man, thank you so much, Latanya. This was, I, you got my mind working on this Saturday morning. Okay. <laughs> um, so how can people connect with you if they want to get some more information about these building strategies and if they ready to be, you know, the first generation, uh, black, black wealth creator in their family. Okay. <laughs> so the easiest way I actually have like a dedicated phone number just for like business questions, dynastic wealth, entrepreneurship. So the easiest way is to connect with me through, um, by texting. And so I hope you'll put, I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes, yes. but I can stay in here. Um, so the number is 850-306-4745. So people are probably driving or walking. Yes working out but definitely connect with me um send your dynastic wealth building questions i'll keep everything that i learn i'm sharing and i'm passing on um and then also i'll make sure to invite your listeners to the dynastic wealth online community where i put it all in one place yes so <laughs> you could just tap in and we're gonna build these dynasties we are going to rewrite black history um wealth is our birthright yes. right talk about uh-huh. talk about feeling worthy like there literally there are people who are waiting for us to step into to our birthright come on oh that's what we're here for yes yeah that gave me chills like you ended with a chill like yes that is our birthright and when you think about it that way this is this we deserve we deserve that it is our this is what we're supposed to be doing and oh lord you know what Thank you so much. I will make sure. Yes, I definitely will make sure all the information is in the show notes. I'm gonna link the books, all of that, because y'all, we 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 doing something different this year. Okay, this is we 2021. This is it, y'all. This is it. We are walking into this with a different mindset, and we have to want more for ourselves and clearly for our grandchildren. Okay, <laughs> because that's mm-hmm. that's where we gonna be able to see it and to know that we we started it right, like our time is now our time is now thank you so much Latanya I truly appreciate it thank you all right y'all that's all for this week thanks for listening and don't forget to share subscribe rate and review remember to head over to Facebook and Instagram and follow me at slaying self-doubt Oh, wait, don't forget, go to my YouTube channel and watch this episode and remember to press the subscribe button until next week. See ya. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.